Well, I'm not going to take very much of your time tonight because we got ice cream waiting over there, and I know better. Amen. You don't get between Baptists and ice cream, so we're going to do our best. Just mind the Lord tonight. Luke chapter number 11 this evening. Luke chapter number 11. Give me a little bit more of this, Ray, if you don't mind. And I don't know how much they can handle out there, but I could I could handle just a drop or two more. That's perfect right there. Luke chapter number 11 tonight. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 14. Verse number 14. The Bible says, And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. Now, I could just stop there, because that's a pretty good camp verse right there. Amen? Uh, he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake. And the people wondered, but some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest. And finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. When he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for Wall Ridge Baptist Church Camp. Thank you, Lord, for the 2022 Wall Ridge Baptist Church Camp. Lord, the legacy, and also this immediate fresh work that you've done in our hearts and minds this year. Pray that you'd use now the Word of God. May it speak to the hearts of the young people. May it speak to the hearts of the old people, Lord. Uh, may it speak to the hearts of every person that is here. And may Christ receive glory. Lord, we love you tonight. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I began to pray, as I always do while I'm at church camp, about what I want to preach when I get back on Sunday night in this camp service. You know, our goal is to give you just a little bit of a taste of what church camp is like. We can't give you the, the full palette of it. One, you couldn't handle it. Amen. If you just, if you just had camp cold turkey like that, it'd probably kill you. But then two, because there's so many things that it's just, it's hard to articulate. I mean, the things that God did up there this week are just amazing, incredible. I mean, just things that God did. I mean, uh, there's folks that got saved. Isn't that right, you young people? Folks that got saved. Amen. And uh, there's folks grew in the Lord. I'm talking about push beyond what they normally go through and, and do. And, and, and Brother Caleb tell you that. Miss Kirsty tell you that. I mean, there's, there's just things that God does in people's lives and, and people who get to see the, the fruit of their labors in the Lord bearing fruit. I thought about that with the, with the, the teenagers and Brother Carrie and just things that, incredible things. There's people just caught a glimpse of heaven this week. Isn't that right, Brother Fred? I mean, things that God did in that campground were amazing to behold. 
I got to thinking about, you know, what is it that God has done this week and, and what's the best thing I can say about what God has done in our lives. And so I want to preach to you on this thought tonight, how church camp can ruin you. How church camp, I'm talking about church, I'm talking about our, how camp can just absolutely ruin your life. Are you ready? Are you encouraged yet? Amen. I want to tell you some ways that church camp can ruin you. Let me say number one tonight. Hey, after camp, your AC is going to be way too cold in your house. I'm serious now. I got in a van driving the kids back, and I thought, I don't know what I think about this air conditioner. Now, I, me and the air conditioner, we've talked and we've worked it out since then. But when I first got in it, man, that air conditioner, it's just too cold. I mean, I done got used to it. I, y'all, y'all say, how do y'all live without air conditioning up there? We do just fine, amen. How'd your granddaddy live without air conditioning, amen? We just... We do fine, amen. We we do all right. And after camp, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but your air conditioner, you're going to have turned up. It's just going to be too cold. And then I thought about this. Listen, after camp, I, I, I hate to tell you this. Some of y'all that went up and worked, you know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But after camp, man, your bed is just going to be too soft. You know, you're going to have to go out and get a new bed because your bed is just going to be, I mean, flat out just too soft. It's going to be, you're going to sink into it, Brother Ken, and, and not even be able to get no support, not even be able to get no sleep because your bed is just too soft. And I thought about this after camp, your smells will be too sweet. They will be. I told you there's things you just can't describe about camp. Mostly I mean smells. Amen. There's just things that, that the, all I'm going to say is there were, I walked through smells I could taste this week. Amen. And, uh, you campers, you think nobody knows when you don't shower. Can I tell you something? Everybody knows when you don't shower. And you're going to get home and you're going to be like, man, something's wrong. I mean, we got to get some dirty gym socks or, 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 or we got to try to do something to, to, I mean, just the smells. It's just, they're, they're too sweet. You can't handle it. I thought about this. Hey, listen, this is true for me. I mean, after camp, your meals are going to be too small. You're going to go to a restaurant. You're going to sit down. You're going to order a plate of food and they're going to bring it out to you and you're going to look at it and say, is this it? And you're going to be sitting there waiting to hear Brother Larry say, seconds, so that you can go running up. <laughs> And get it. And then I thought about this. Hey, listen, I'm sorry it ruins you. Can't church camp will ruin your life because after camp, this is what's going to happen. Your life is going to be too uneventful. <laughs> There's amazing things. Some of them funny. Some of them stirring. Some of them a little disturbing that happen at church camp. And you're going to get back. And I'm going to be honest. You think you want that peace and quiet, but it's going to be boring. I hate to tell you that. You're going to get back. You're going to sit there and you're going to enjoy that peace and quiet for about 20 seconds. And you're going to go, Shouldn't some kid be screaming somewhere? <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't somebody, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't something be, I mean, it just, it does. There's things that you experience at church camp and it just, it just ruins you. Let's just say it this way. Your life is never the same again. But you know, all the fun aside, I began to think about what God has done this week. And I think in our text tonight, we have another way that church camp can ruin you. I want you to look up here, young people, and listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Some of y'all saw some amazing things this week, but with that comes a great and grave responsibility. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says, verse 24 of our text. makes this statement, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he, the unclean spirit, walketh through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, this is what he says, he saith, I will return unto my house. In other words, the life of the person from which he was expelled. I will return unto my house whence I came out. When he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished, been cleaned up, and it's been fixed up. 
Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. Listen to what the Holy Word of God says about this man. It says the last state of that man is worse than the first. You know, young people, I want to compare what these people are listening to and experiencing with what you've experienced this week. And then I want to give you this warning tonight. Hey, listen, and if you got saved this week, you are eternally saved. Because the only way God saves folks is eternally. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. Uh, you don't have to worry about keeping your salvation. You are kept by the power of God unto salvation. I, I, I'm thankful for that. But now listen, some of y'all, you made some decisions this week. I'm talking about there was some, there was some deliverance. There were some devils got out of your life this week. And now you are faced with a choice. Are you going to fill that void with the Lord? Or are you going to walk away and wind up worse than when you began in the first place? Now you say, well, preacher, what makes you think that this has anything to do with camp? I mean, I know they weren't having church camp. But there are some things that compare. For instance, back in verse 14, look what it says. And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake. And the people, look at this, wondered. Can I say number one tonight? These people, they had seen a miraculous display of the power of God. You know, one of the things that arrests the attention of our young people when they go up to camp is they get up there and they see the power of God moving on the lives of other young people. I mean, I, listen, I'm here to tell you tonight, there, there's churches out there trying any and every new thing to try to draw crowds in. We're blessed at Walridge Baptist Church. We got a lot of young people and we got a lot of young families. And, and, and I'll have preachers ask me sometime, now, preacher, how'd you do that? <laughs> like I did that. <laughs> Like, I do anything well on purpose. And uh, and they'll say, Preacher, how'd you do that? And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know how we do that, except we just come in and try to have real church. We just come in, try to be real people, uh, try to preach real messages, and try to have real church. We don't put on no pretense. Uh, we don't try to pretend nothing we ain't. Uh, we go with the old-fashioned way. We go with King James Bible. Uh, we go with old-fashioned uh, singing that blesses hearts and, and, and exalts Christ. And, and we just get in and try to let God do something in our midst. And uh, God draws those that have a heart and that love Him. And I'm just telling you, if you see the power of God in your life, it's going to change you. And these young people this past week, they have seen a miraculous display of the power of God. But then look what it says in verse 15. Now, some of them, meaning the, the, the Pharisees, some of them said, He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Now, that's, that's a scary thing to say about God. And it's a scary thing to say about the Holy Ghost. But they accused Him of being, of being a devil worshiper, of casting out devils by the devil. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But now look at what verse 20 says. He says, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. I say these young people, they have seen a miraculous display of the power of God, but they have also had, heard a message distinct this week about the truth of God. Here's what the Lord Jesus looked at him and he said, he said, hey, listen, don't you doubt for one second the kingdom of God has come to you and you now have a choice to make regarding where you stand in your relationship 
with God. These young people this week, I mean, listen, I, I don't preach well, but I try to preach plain. I try to leave nothing to the imagination when it comes to the truth of the Word of God, but just to state plainly to these young people, it has been my heart has been burdened lately because there's so many young people uh, that don't know the truth of the Word of God. We preach this morning, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning because there's people out there, they've heard church house religion, they've heard songs, they've seen Easter plays, they've heard Christmas cantatas, uh, they've seen all these things but they couldn't tell you what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Now, I'm here to tell you this week, these young people, and we might have done a lot of things wrong. No doubt we did this week. A lot of things probably could have been done better. But these young people heard a distinct message this week, and they heard the truth of God. Not only that, verse 21, the Lord Jesus begins to tell a parable. And He says this, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Now, he's talking about what he has just done. And he is describing Satan as a strong man who had these people in bondage. But that the Lord Jesus, hey, glory to God, is a stronger man than he. Amen. And came along and, and, and spoiled his house and took all that he had, broke his armor, broke his crown, broke his scepter, and took his authority. And I would say this this week, these children, they have, they have received a mighty deliverance, many of them have, from the bondage and power of Satan. Some of them got born again. Man, that's the greatest deliverance you can have. They got born again. They got translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. But then some of these young people, and, and some of them gave testimony about it, about how Satan was seeking to thwart and oppress and, and to disturb their life. And they came up, God spoke to their heart, and they have received a mighty deliverance this week. They've got, they've got some things out of their life that needed to be gone. They've got some sin out of their life that needed to be gone. They've got some things squared away and settled with God this week. And they have received a mighty deliverance. But then I would say this, uh, verse 23, the Lord Jesus looks at that crowd. He says this, He that is not with me, is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. I'd say this, uh, they had made a meaningful decision this week. I love the way the Lord Jesus says it, man. He didn't mince words. He just spoke truth to people. That's what bothered people. Uh, in the days of the Lord's earthly ministry, uh, when they would talk about no man ever spake like this, they weren't talking about his oratory abilities. They weren't talking about uh, him using big $10 theological words. Uh, but the rabbis of that day, all they do is weave together a tapestry of meaningless questions and then call it teaching. But the Lord Jesus, when he stood up, he spoke truth with power uh, to people's hearts and lives. And uh, He didn't ask a thousand questions that nobody had an answer to, but he'd just get up and say the truth to people. And the truth is a powerful thing. I like what Jesus says here, man. He just lays it out. He says, look, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. In other words, you're going to have to make up your mind whether you're going to serve me or whether you're not. By the way, there's another passage, uh, a parallel account of this in the Gospel of Matthew when the Lord Jesus is talking about these men and they're attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the power of the devil. And that's the passage where He talks about every idle word being brought into account on the Day of Judgment. You know what they were doing? They couldn't admit that He was from God because then they would have had to repent. Uh, but they couldn't deny the miracles He was doing because it was plain before all men's eyes. So what He said is He said, well, Jesus is uh, performing miracles, but they're not from God. They're really from the devil. Those was idling words. Didn't want to make a decision about who Jesus was, Brother Ken. So they just tried to idle. And God says, hey, one of these days those idling words are going to be brought back and you're going to have to give an account for it. And it's in that context that Jesus says, hey, uh, shift her out of neutral and make a decision here. 
either go forward with God or go ahead and run from God and curse Him and blaspheme Him. But don't try to hang out in the middle of this thing. And these young people, hey, we had four or five saved this week, but there were some meaningful decisions made this week. There were some young people finally got it nailed down and said, I'm done with this thing. I'm done playing games on God. I'm going forward to live for Jesus Christ. You see, in many ways, the things that the Lord Jesus uses to frame this parable are the very things that our young people have experienced. And what Christ is doing, He has just cast a devil out of a man. And then He tells this parable, and we call it a parable. I don't know that that's even really an accurate assessment of it. I I think what we could call it, He's given an illustration about what's going to happen to that man if he doesn't do the right thing with the light that God has given him. And young people, listen, I'm going to tell you exactly how church camp can ruin you. If you go up church camp, if you, if you make decisions for Christ and, and, uh, you decide that you're, you're going to get some things out of your life. And some of y'all, that's what you needed. There was things in your life you need to get rid of. There was music. There was, there was attitudes. Uh, there was substances. There were thoughts. There were things in your life that had to be got out of your life. But can I tell you the main mistake that most people make? Uh, they get the right thing or the wrong things out, but they don't never put the right thing in it place. And so the Lord Jesus warns about having reformation without repentance, uh, about having self-reformation and renovation without a real meaningful relationship with God. I want you to notice three simple thoughts tonight will be done. Notice with me, number one, the unclean spirit's departure in verse 24. The Bible says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house. Whence I came out. Notice number one tonight is forceful removal. I love the way the Lord Jesus says that when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Now that is accurate, appropriate, correct language. But can I also say it's sort of sandbagging a little bit. An unclean spirit don't just up and go out of somebody. Hey, listen, they, they're loath to give up that vessel once they've got control of it. All through the testimony of Scripture, what we find is unclean spirits that whenever the Lord Jesus would come and with the authority of His name and of His person would command those unclean spirits to come out of people, often they would tear their bodies. Often they would try to kill them on the way out. Often they would try. There was a young man who the Bible says that devil would try to cast him into the fire and into the water. And I'm telling you this, hey, the devil will destroy your life if he can. He hates you. You're made in the image of God. And he hates to look at you. He'll destroy destroy and disfigure everything about God's creation. But I'm glad there's one, hey, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I'm glad that for all the power that Satan may wield in this world, and he is the God of this world, uh, but he ain't the God of the universe. And this world lives in the universe that God in heaven is the God over. And there's one that's more powerful than him. Oftentimes it would be a traumatic experience Part of the reason we take these kids to camp is to get them in a place where God can work in their heart and in their life. And a lot of times, parents don't understand it, man. They, they don't, we give them this kid back and it's not the kid that they sent up. They got the same uh, fingerprint and they got the same DNA, but their life has been changed. Hey, what's happened in their life? Well, the devils have been jerked out of their life. And now they're a new creature in Christ Jesus. I see his forceful removal, but number two, I want to notice his vengeful roaming. What happens to that devil when he is pulled out of a man? Well, the Bible says this, he walketh through dry places seeking rest. We find examples of this in the New Testament. The Bible describes how when the Lord Jesus cast the devils out of the maniac of Gadara, they immediately sought another vessel to inhabit and possess and to take the control and the governance over. 
Let me tell you something. I, as far as I know, and I don't want to get into things that I cannot speak with scriptural authority on, but as far as I know, the only person that can destroy a devil is the Lord Jesus Christ. When they're cast out, they don't disappear. They go. And what do they do? They walk around. The Bible says they walk around dry places. That's why you don't need to hang around dry places. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Well, let's just go ahead and preach. You want to? You want to? That's why you, ain't, that's why you don't need to hang around dry places. Isn't that right, Brooke Ken? You go to some of these dry churches, the devils are walking around them. You, you, you go around some of this dry Christianity. And I'm not talking about emotion. I'm not talking about a rock concert. That's just as dry as anything. Uh, you, you see, here's what, here's what, uh, here's what waters the people of God is the living water and the freshness of the Holy Spirit. You go around these places where God is not, those are the places where the devil hangs out. Uh, what was the, what was the thing that drove the devils out when Jesus showed up? That's what de- drove them out. Uh, whenever Jesus show, showed up, because one of these days every knee's gonna bow. And you may not believe that, but the devils believe and tremble. And so when Jesus would show up, them devils would have to come running and fall at his feet and recognize his authority. And the first thing they'd do, they'd be trying to get away from him. And listen, so you say, preacher, uh, where do they go? They walk through dry places. Young people, if you if you hang out in dry places, you're hanging out where the devils like to go. If your Christian life is a dry place, you say, "What do you mean, preacher? Well, you're not reading the Word of God. You're not walking with God. You're not you're not letting the Spirit of God lead you. You're not praying and talking to God. You're not being used of God. The power of God is nowhere near your life. That's where the devils hang out." And that's the reason the Bible tells us this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That tells me there's some he ain't going to get. Oh, that's all right. We'll just go ahead and preach. I don't mind. That's okay. I don't need your help. I'll just preach. And you'll either find it and get on board or not, and that's fine. I'll give you an ice cream sandwich whether you amen me or not. How's that? That's how good of a person that I am. I'm in a good mood. It's camp service. (laughs) Hey, there's some he ain't going to get, but there's some he's going to get. Seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour everybody, but there's some that he can devour. Well, who are those? Those that's hanging out in dry places. Dry places. And of course, we're not speaking of, of biological, physical water. We're not speaking of deserts in a geographic sense. But we're talking about places in, in, in life where God is not. And He goes to those places seeking rest. I see His vengeful room. What's He doing? He's looking for some other life to destroy. Notice what it says. I see his forceful removal and his eventual roaming, or vengeful roaming, but then I see his eventual return. The Bible says this in finding none. He goes out and if he can't find some other life to destroy, here's what he says. He says, I will return unto my house whence I came out. Now by house, what he means is the life of the person that he was expelled from earlier. Now again, I want to be explicit because I don't want you to misunderstand in the thematic Words that we use in preaching, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not talking about anyone losing their salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. I'm not talking about a saved person being possessed by the devil because I don't believe a saved person can be possessed by the devil. I don't believe that a devil can take up residence in a place where the Spirit of God is. God drives out the devils wherever he's at. But I'm saying this, that the very things that you've gotten out of your life this week, sooner or later they're going to come knocking and they're going to try to find an entrance once again. Don't think for one moment, and this is part of the problem. This is part of the problem in the lives of young people. It's part of the problems in the lives of adults. And I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't fussing about about camp workers this week because the only difference is they've gone up and got something that you didn't get. Amen? And so I'm not fussing with them, but part of our problem is we view this thing as we spend 51 weeks drifting and then hope that that one week at camp is enough to pull us back where we need to be. 
Let me tell you something. If you don't, if you don't have God in your life day in, day out, week after week, Sooner or later, those problems that you've brought to God, that bondage that you've sought deliverance from, you come to the Lord and ask for His help, and He'll help you. But sooner or later, hey, that devil's going to come back looking for you. He will return. And part of the problem in people's spiritual development is they think they can come and, and commit something to God and then go back to their seat and pretend as though it is no longer a battle in their life. But the reality is this, the devil's not going to let you off that easy. He's going to do everything he can to try to destroy your life. He will come back. Hey, He even departed only for a season from the blessed Son of God. What makes you think that He won't come back to your life? You better stay close. So I see the unclean spirit's departure. But then I see the unclean spirit's discovery. So here's what you would hope would have happened. You would hope that this devil would have come back and, and he would have got to this house and, and he would have heard him having prayer meeting inside and he would have just kept walking. You would have thought he would have come back and he would have heard him preaching, teaching the Word of God. He would have just kept walking. He said, I ain't got no place to go here. He would have come back. He would have heard him testifying and praising God for his goodness. And he would have just left. He would have said, I ain't going to waste my time trying to get my foot back in the door. But that's not what he found. When he comes back, he finds a prim, proper, clean, decorated, and empty place. Let me just say that describes a lot of churches today. Describes, I, I love our church. I know some of y'all get so aggravated when kids run around and jump on things. I know that. Some of y'all get irritated when they move a blanket or a pillow. And some of y'all get irritated when they leave their little coloring pages around and everything. And, and you say, preacher, why can't we just have some place where it's quiet? Why can't we have some place where it's just clean all the time? Why can't we have some place... Preacher, where, where, where there's never all this mayhem and all this chaos. I mean, why can't I just go into a church building where there's a pulpit and where there's pews and, and where a preacher gets up to preach and I ain't got young people running around and being crazy and messes and everything. Why can't we just have that, preacher? And you can. You can go down to Rose's Mortuary. And you can go in their chapel. And it's always going to be clean. And it's always going to be nice and tidy. And there's a pulpit and there's pews. And there's a bunch of dead bodies and nothing else. I'm not saying I like the mayhem any better than you do, but I sure enough don't want an empty house. Listen, where God's working and moving, there's life and there's activity, and oftentimes there's mess. You go in a house, you know, we'll say sometimes, we'll say, well, our house is just lived in. What we mean is messy. And that's what we mean. Well, our house is just lived in. Like the neat people don't live in their house. But here's what we're saying. We're saying the reason it looks like it's because it's lived in and listen, our church is just lived in, all right? You with me tonight? It's just lived in. That's okay. It'll be all right. It's just lived in. And here's what he does. He comes back and he finds it. And here's what he discovers. Notice three things. Number one, when he came back, he found it cleaned. The Bible says he found it swept. In other words, all the dirt and all the grime had been removed from this place. Well, I would say this, that on the whole is a good thing. You know, the Bible says we ought to be clean. We ought to be vessels meet for the Master's use. We ought to be fit for God to use our life. Nothing wrong with being clean now. I believe in being clean. I extra believe in it after a week at camp. I believe in being clean. I'm, I'm for that. He found it, he found it clean. Then number two, the Bible says this, he found it garnished. Now, if you're like me and my eating habits, you don't know what garnish is. Because garnish is something that is put on a plate only to deceive you. Let me tell you what belongs on my dinner plate. What belongs on my dinner plate is things I can eat or things that are vessels for holding things that I can eat. 
That's what belongs. And by that, I don't mean chopsticks and stuff. I mean the bone that is in my bone and ribeye is there so that I can hold it and gnaw on it. Let me tell you what garnish is. Garnish, is it, it, it's really it's long clippings. It, that's all it is. It's, it's some weed that grows out of the pit of hell. And they take it and they put it on a plate and it's there to look pretty. It's there to look pretty. People got funny ideas about pretty, Ken. <laughs> I do too. I'll tell you what looks pretty. Mac and cheese. Mashed potatoes. Fully loaded baked potato. That looks pretty garnish. But here's here's what garnish is. It's something that serves no function, but it's merely there to decorate the area. Here's the problem. The devil comes back. He says it's clean. But he says, too, it's, it's garnished. We could use the term furnished. Now, let me tell you something. A, a, an empty house, all furniture is just a garnish in the first place. You with me tonight? You say, preacher, what are you getting at? I'm saying this. In a person's life, Whatever religion lives there, if God don't live there, it's just garnish anyway. Hey, listen, you, you can have the nicest, easy chair in your house, but if nobody lives there, it's just showpiece. Ain't nobody going to sit there. And here's what he finds. He comes back, and, and the Bible says that they found it. he found it clean, he found it decorated. But then Matthew says it this way in Matthew 12, 44. He saith, I will return in my house uh, from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept. And garnished. He found it cleaned and decorated, and then he found it abandoned. Nothing lived there. The things that used to cause problems were removed. Praise God. That's good. But the things that could have given life were not put there in its place. Preacher, how can church camp ruin me? I mean, church camp's great, right? Y'all believe in church camp. I believe in church camp. Do y'all believe in church camp? I believe in church camp. I don't really care whether you believe in church camp right now, but when it's time to give, you better believe in church camp. All right? I'm for church camp. I believe in church camp. Let me tell you something. Camp can ruin a person. If they go up and play games with God, if they go up, get things out of their life, but then don't care enough about God to pursue a meaningful relationship with Him, it can ruin a person's spiritual walk. I see his discovery, but then I want you to notice this. I want you to notice his dominance. Now, before there was one devil, and that devil didn't have full control. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Because that devil was cast out. He was kicked out of this man. Somehow, some way, the light of God's glory shone into this person's life. And that devil was booted out of that place. But now look what happens. Notice there's three things that happen. Verse 26. Notice there's a recruitment that takes place. When he finds this, he says, hey man, we got a nice open pad now. We got plenty of room. There used to be a lot of clutter, but now all that's gone. Uh, here's what he does. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Uh, you know, this is why... I want to be careful how I say this, man. I mean, there's a biblical concept and definition of religion. True religion, undefiled, is this, to keep yourself unspotted from the world and visit the, the, the fatherless and, and the widows. There is a sense in which that our external manifestation of our devotion to God that we would call religion is a good, wholesome, holy thing. I'm not saying, but, but here's the problem with dead religion is it is a seedbed for demonic activity. People who are willing to play games with God and have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, you put yourself in a dangerous situation. Because what's going to happen is whatever's kicked out of your life ain't going to stay out of your life. It's going to go out and it's going to grab six or seven other things worse 
than what it was and pull themselves into your life. I've seen this happen with young people. I could give you the names of people that I was a young person in a youth group with. Uh, when I was a young person, uh, they had uh, they called it a, a, a revival that took place. And, and, and I suspect like most moves of God, some of it was real and some of it was fake. And what I mean by that is there were, there were some kids that meant business, and then there were some kids that was just playing games. Uh, just like at church camp, there'll be some kids that mean business, and there'll be some kids that's playing games. Just like at VBS, there'll be some kids that mean business, and there'll be some kids that are playing games. And I've noticed this, the kids that were real, they got something real. Some of you all, some of you all went to school with me. Some of you all were there during this season and time in our youth group. The ones that was playing games are worse today than they would have been had they never played games. I'm telling you, young person, you play games on God, you'll be worse than if you never looked His way in the first place. I I, I see here there was a recruitment. Number two, I see there was a residing. The Bible says they enter in and they dwell there. Uh, The implication is this. They dig in and make it their home. And I'll tell you, hey, listen, when you have these things come back into your life, if you let them back in your life, Oh, listen now, it's going to be all the harder to get it out the next time. Some of y'all, you've got forgiveness and ask God's help with certain things in your life and you've got it out of your life. Now, if you don't get God in your life, if you don't maintain a daily walk with the Lord, then when those things come back, they're going to be twice as hard to get out of your life as they were this year. I I, I see there was a, a residing, but then notice the ruin of this man. The Bible says the last state of that man is worse than the first. Preacher, church camp's a good thing. I agree with you. Preacher, church camp is, is a wonderful thing. I agree with you. Preacher, everything that happens at church camp is good. <laughs> I don't know if I'll agree with you about that. <laughs> I could, with, uh, people in this room give testimonies, all right? This year and other years. But uh, I would say this. Church camp on the whole is a wonderfully blessed, spiritual energizing, nourishing, life-changing, transformative experience. For those that come up and get real with God. But for those that come up and play games, several things have happened. One, you have made yourself all that more accountable when you stand before God. Hey, I don't know how many it is, something like 14. You have 14 more sermons you're going to have to answer for. How you responded, what you did. Hey, you got, you got a whole week's worth of morning and even devotions. You're going to have to give an account for it one day. You got a lot more light and a lot more truth that you're going to have to give an account for. By the way, let me just say, uh, this does sort of also make an application to us Bible-believing Christians here in the church house here in the West. we got more to answer for than those in darkest Africa. We've had a lot more light shown into our life. Hey, listen, it's a wonderful thing, but you've got a lot more to answer for. And not only that, if you don't put God in your life, I'm not just talking about going and getting getting what the adults cynically sometimes call camp religion. I'm not talking about playing games. I'm talking about maintaining your walk with the Lord from this point forward. You don't. Here's what's going to happen. You've given the devil a greater entrance in your life than he ever would have had in the first place. You have a great responsibility now, young people. By the way, that's true for us workers. It's true for you people that stayed back here and prayed. You've got a greater responsibility than ever you've had. I want church camp to be a blessing. I don't want it to be a burden. I want it to be something that propels us forward, not something that becomes a point of, of conflict in our spiritual walk. Let's make sure we don't wind up worse than when we began. Let's make sure we go all the way with God in our life. Let's bow together tonight. Musician is going to come play. The altar is open.
These camp kids, they know they don't have to wait for any notes to be played. They can just slip out of their seat and come down and pray. And you church people ought to know that too. You ought to know that too. You can just come on down. God spoke to your heart. Find a place in this altar. Now's the time to say, God, by your grace, that's not going to be me. By your grace, that's not going to be me. I'm going to grow. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to further my walk with, by your grace, Lord, that's not going to be me. Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name.